0: Have you ever noticed in popular lore, it seems that Eve is always the bad guy. If there's a painting or a picture in a book or whatever, it's it's Eve holding out that apple like the Wicked Witch in Sleeping Beauty. Isn't it nice, Adam? Take a bite. Go on. You'll love it. Now compare that to Scripture. Eve is barely mentioned for example, take the second reading today. Just as through one man, sin entered into the world. Not woman, not person, man. If you look at the, uh, at some paintings of the crucifixion, ours being one of them, you will notice at the base of the crucifix, there is a skull. This is because legend has it the crucifixion took place over the place Where Adam was buried, the first Adam. If we lost heaven through one man, Adam, and his sin, we gained it back through Jesus Christ and his virtue. All this is because Eve was not alone in her sin. When we read the text, we find out that through the whole thing, it'll say, when we finally turn our attention to Adam, She turns to her husband, who was with her, through the whole thing. What was Adam charged to do in the Garden of Eden? He was there to cultivate it and care for it. Care implies that it needed some type of protection. Man's care was needed even in the Garden of Eden. Apparently, he was not too terribly mindful as Eve. The most precious thing in the garden was approached by evil, temptation, and he did absolutely nothing about it, even though he was there. The thing about evil is, it's not stupid. It attacks us in our weakest points. God gave them the whole garden to do it as they please, complete freedom, save to eat the fruit in the center of the garden. Satan changes the wording to make it sound as though they don't have any real freedom. And their free choice is infringed upon by an unfair God. Did God really say not to eat the fruit of the trees in the garden? Come on. We see this all the time by way of the way Catholic teaching is awfully presented. The goal of our Catholic faith is to grant us freedom. Allow you to become the best version of yourselves that you can be. To free us from enslavement to sin and other people's opinions and influence. But it's often thrown at us this way. Are you really going to do that because the church told you so? Are you really going to let a bunch of old men in Rome tell you what to do? Are you seriously going to follow them as if somehow the church is outside of us? Are you going to let them take away your fun from doing whatever it is you want to do? Eve does respond that this, to this particular accusation, but... She doesn't say it quite the way God said it. He said, she says, that we should not eat or even touch that tree lest we die. But that's not what God said. It was an exaggeration of his command. He said nothing about touching the tree whatsoever. And it isn't, isn't it interesting that God gave that command even before Eve was created? He told Adam. So did Adam exaggerate the command when he gave it to Eve, or did Eve just exaggerate it in her own mind? We don't know. But the devil is cunning, and he uses truth to lure her towards sin. You certainly won't die. Go ahead, touch it. See, nothing happens. Here's an ex- another example of people trying to control you, he says to her. I have been, unfortunately, in contact with many people who have left the church for a spell because someone convincingly told them that the church teaches something which it doesn't. And then they only later come back when they find out they have been misled. Anyway, the devil beguiles beguiles her with greatness. God knows that the minute you eat of it, you will be like gods. But they already are. They were made in the image and likeness of God. Then we witness the act of rationalization. She is taking, talking herself into sinning by convincing herself it isn't really that bad. Look at the fruit just going to waste. It's obviously good for food. It looks appetizing. And we determine through the help of my friend here, the snake, that it is good for gaining wisdom. Wisdom. It would be a fool not to take some, so if she does. And we see the next failure of Adam in not giving counsel, not protecting the one he is particularly charged to caring for, and subsequently not only giving tacit approval, but okaying the whole thing by joining in himself. They gained knowledge, but not what they expected. Have you ever found out something that you wish you had never discovered about someone and it takes your relationship, or the effects of something addictive that takes away your freedom. The knowledge they discovered is that human beings can use other human beings as objects. It's possible now for me to use you for my own comfort and enjoyment. It is possible for me to behold you, not as a whole and complete person, but as objects, as pieces and parts for my selfish desires and edification. So what do they have to do? They have to sew clothing and cover themselves up. And from there, it just gets worse and worse and worse until we get to their kids and we're dealing with fratricide. So what happened? At the base of it, this is what happened. They forgot who they were. They were made in the image and likeness of God. They were made to be good and to be loved. You and I were created not to make God greater, but that he might have someone on whom he can bestow his love and his grace. But Adam and Eve were convinced to imagine themselves otherwise, and they pursued it. And like using something for a purpose which it is not designed designed, it leads to damaging results. Have you ever used a screwdriver a lot for opening paint cans? And then it ruins the screwdriver, and it's less capable of performing the tasks for which it was designed. Jesus today gives us the example of remaining true to who he is. You know, when I am most likely to sin, it's when I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I'm, I'm more prone at those times. And there he is in the desert. And scripture tells us he was hungry. We know he was alone and he was viciously tempted, yet he remembers who he is. It may not have been clear to everybody in the moment. And the temptation may have been to reach out and make it absolutely clear to everyone who is there to show that the kingdom is, is his, that he has the power, and that he is supposed to be afforded the glory But he doesn't have to abuse anything in order to show it. There really was no need. He knows that he, he knows that God wins in the end. And that 2,000 years later, a few hundred people would be gathering together in Akron, Ohio, amongst the over 2 billion people in the world who will pray this Sunday for the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever and ever. In Lent, we are given the focused opportunity to remember exactly who we are. This past Friday, two of our former St. Sebastian Parish students, Chase Bills and and Mitchell Adamchek, spoke at the First Friday Club of Greater Akron about their experiences with God in high school. And Chase said something that I really liked. She said, I find it amazing that God who made the grass and the trees and the birds and the animals and the whole world and our solar systems and galaxies and cosmos. That all of this needed one of me. And so God created me. And he needs one of you too. And he needs you to remember who you are, made in the image and likeness of God. That we are masters of our bodies, not servants of them. That we are caretakers of this world. We are our brothers and sisters' keepers. We are men and women made in the image and likeness of God. We are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. We are brothers and sisters. We are children of God. We are designed for glory in heaven. And our Lenten practices should, and, and that of the whole church, Those that the church gives us to do and those that we choose on our own are to remind us of these things. Empower us in these realities and bring healing where that image is marred.